0: How do you build your clients? How do you do that? You got to have an anchor is, is what I say. And that's what kind of helped me was having the anchor, having the purpose. And it was actually one of my friends who went out on his own. He started an insurance agency. And this is what I always I always took from him was like he wrote a letter to himself, kind of saying why he was doing it. What's your purpose for doing something? And so I remembered that when I went out on my own was, well, what is my purpose for doing this? Who am I trying to help? And at the same time, what am I trying to do for my own personal growth and for my family with that in mind with that anchor is what kind of drove me through the scary parts
1: it's no secret that the coronavirus is affecting all of us as individuals but the effect it's having on business especially small business is unprecedented we need a game plan and fast if we're going to survive this we need resources and we need each other we can't do it alone i'm jesse torres and this is hack my business With my background in economic and workforce development, disaster preparedness, and general business strategy, I know I can help you navigate this scary time in your business and beyond. It's all about resiliency. I'll have the most current solutions and best practices available so we can ensure your business not only survives this crisis, but thrives. We'll also be keeping you informed about the latest resources for small business so that you don't miss a thing. Co-hosting with me will be my colleague, Sid Verakura. We'll have invited experts to help us navigate through the current noisy landscape of resources and programs that are being made available today and who will be able to prepare us for tomorrow. Let's do this together. I'm Jesse Torres, and this is Hack My Business. Hi and welcome back to Hack My Business. This is Jesse Torres, your host of Hack My Business, and here
2: as always with my co-host Sid Varaka. Sid, how you doing? Hey Jesse! I'm well, buddy. It's good to see you, and you know, just living the dream, my friend. <laughs> I know. I'm so excited to see because I know that you had a special
1: day, in that you you took your first real vacation, right? First real vacation in a long time. You actually went outside your house for once. Is that right?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. As you know, I have I have taken the COVID stay at home to a premium. For the last year and a (laughs) half, and then, you know, actually just got back, which was so lovely. And I'm having a hard time actually getting back into routine. But we, uh, my wife and I went for a one night kind of trip, kind of midweek, first time without kid or dog in months. I mean, 18 months. I mean, because it's not like we were like kind of, you know, running all over the country pre-covid so it's been a right. long time and man it felt really good <laughs> just tell me like the one best moment like the one key moment there put take me
1: with you to that just,
2: experience just like breakfast in bed oh, like yeah, and perfect. reading the new york times and Amazing. having a cup of coffee and not a dog kind of like bouncing all over us or a kid wanting to watch thomas and friends i mean <laughs> It was amazing. I didn't have to watch Thomas and Friends, and I didn't have to have a bowl of like dry cereal like, in bed for him. <laughs> it was
1: amazing. Well, that's awesome, man. Congrats to you. I'm looking forward to doing the same sometime actually this weekend. We're going to be heading out as well, heading out to uh, a little quick weekend journey with the kids, though, to Santa Monica. So I'm uh, right behind oh, you, man. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, man, I'm really excited today to have our special guest joining us. One because he is just somebody that I uh, really respect. He has his own podcast, Bismo, which I know he's going to be talking about. But he also just happens to be our attorney, Alex Bruno with the Bruno Group, and uh, we're going to be talking with him today about what it's like to work with us as clients. You know, helping us start our new <laughs> venture, small business front. And also just, you know, his own pathway, his own journey, and and some of what he does as far as how he advises other entrepreneurs, right, with their own entrepreneurial journey and their growth and some of the lessons that he's learned along the way. So, Alex, uh, welcome to Hack My Business. It's great to see you.
0: It's great to see you too, Jesse, and thank you for having me. And good to see you, Sid, and good to hear that, you know, you've got that first vacation under your belt. (laughs)
2: Amazing. And I didn't mention that we're both vaccinated. So that was part of the celebration, like getting vaccinated and and having like a trip away. But it's good to see you, Alex. Very cool. Well, Alex, yeah, great to have you on. You know, I think where we want to start
1: is really talking about your own personal journey. Uh, You have your own practice, right? You yourself are an entrepreneur. And so the question is, you know, why choose that life, right? Instead of maybe working for a big law firm, what led you to the entrepreneurship life? And tell us a little bit about your own personal journey.
0: Well, that's a good question because I actually did start, well, I, I started my first half of my career so far was in that big law firm or that corporate law firm lifestyle. So, and that was supposedly the dream, right? That's and it's a dream for across disciplines, across, you know, industries is get into that big corporate setting. If you're in tech, you want to be in FANG you, or I don't know if you want to be in FANG anymore, you know, Facebook. <laughs> uh, it's, I've. Facebook, or I forgot, Amazon, Netflix, or Google, right? So you wanted oh. to be part of that. Maybe not Facebook anymore, because Facebook's not so popular as it used to be. But essentially, you want to be in that corporate setting. But and So that was the idea when you went, when I went to law school, was, was everyone was like, well, you want to get into one of these big firms, and you're going to live a great lifestyle, and it's going to be fun. And my whole perception of law was very interesting, too, because originally, I wanted to be in the courts. I wanted to be a litigator. Mm. And so my perception of litigation was from TV. And we all know how TV is, right? So it's like L.A. law when I was young, when I was thinking college and law school, the practice was a popular uh, program. And it was kind of like, okay, they went to court in the afternoon. They resolved it in like 30 minutes. And then Mm. the end of it is like they all get together and have a good time. They either go to dinner, they go to the bar, they hang out. That was it. And so I thought that was what litigation did. And then when I started off doing litigation, I realized, oh, that's not what we do. We do a lot of pushing of paper and we're just trying to figure out how to you know, resolve a conflict that really shouldn't be a conflict. And so kind of my journey evolved into starting to work for businesses and I, and companies. So, you know, right before I went out on my own about 10 years ago is I worked for a, a firm where we represented multinational companies and we did all their legal stuff for them. And much like many entrepreneurs feel, you get that aha moment. Let's get that, hey, I can do this. I can do something here and I have an idea how to do something. So my idea was How do I help the businesses and the companies that are not like these multinational companies, but they still need good legal advice? They need good legal counsel. And how can I scale it for them? And that was the seed that was planted in me to go for it. And so that's why I I came up with it and went through my own journey. And it's been fun. But the good thing too is I'm doing things that Whatever I tell my clients, like yourselves as well, I've probably gone through it because I've had partners as well before in the past. I've seen companies grow and I've I've helped grow my own company. So I've experienced the pains and also the great things about it. So it's interesting. It's a good perspective to have.
1: Yeah, I'm so curious. Um about what was that moment like when you actually decided to, to go on your own? You know, what was the scariest part about it? You know, that first year, how difficult was that journey for you? And I had to say, it's interesting hearing your perspective about how LA law and the practice really kind of shaped your image of what law life was. When I was a student at UCLA, all of us were trying to become doctors because ER right. had just come out. <laughs> and so we all had this really great idea about like, oh my gosh like the the glamorous, you know, exciting life of a doctor. And then once we start actually taking the classes that support that where you realize I'm not meant to be at all connected with the health field, you know? So it's it's really interesting hearing your perspective on the law side. But yeah, can you tell us a bit like, you know, what was that like I and mean, when you decided to break away from the corporate life, you know, setting up your own office, how scary was that? Did you know what to do? Did you get a good mentorship? How did that work out?
0: So it's Anything new is gonna be scary. And any type of change is seen as a loss, right? So whether it's positive change or negative change, it's change. So mentally you're seeing like you're losing something. So the big fear or the big objections that I would get from others was, well, isn't that risky? You're like you're in that situation where you're about to you're at the moment where you're gonna be Starting to do partner interviews in the firm and seeing if you're gonna become a partner with this company. So they're gonna you know you get flown out to Chicago at that moment and kind of like interview for partners, right? So we're kinda of at that turning point. And so the, the the scary thing, of course, was not having the net of like, you know, if you keep your head down, you're gonna you're gonna be able to get that salary, you know, every two weeks or so. But for me, the way I framed it was the scary thing was I'm not sure where I'm going to be. I can't see myself. I couldn't vision myself in the firm anymore. Mm. And at some point, you know, in some of these firms, and any type of company, you can become just like basically another cog in the wheel that that does it. But yes, the scary part was, you know, yeah, you, no longer you're not having that paycheck no more because I was in such a a, a big firm. Clients were gonna weren't gonna jump over. They're not gonna mm. be like, okay, Alex associate, I'm going to jump over to you. They might have liked the work I'd done, and they did like the work I'd done, but I didn't have the cachet of the big name firm behind me. So, and some some of these big companies, they want, they don't care, you know, what kind of rate you might give them, because of course, you'd be like, well, I'll give you my rate that, you know, they're billing me out at. But so, but yeah, so the scary part was that, and the scary part was, well, how do you build your book? How do you build your clients? How do you do that? You got to have an anchor, is, is what I say. And that's what kind of helped me, was having the anchor, having the purpose. And it was actually one of my friends who went out on his own. He started an insurance agency. And this is what I always I always took from him, was like he wrote a letter to himself, kind of saying why he was doing it. What's your purpose for doing something? And so I remembered that when I went out on my own was, well, what is my purpose for doing this? Who am I trying to help? And at the same time, what am I trying to do for my own personal growth and for my family? With that in mind, with that anchor is what kind of drove me through the, the scary parts.
2: You know, Alex, we mentioned that you have your own um, podcast biz mode. And what I think is really cool about it is that it's actually not very focused on the law, but rather on skills and mindset, really that gear to help sole proprietors and entrepreneurs, right? So I love this, the idea of writing yourself a letter or that your friend did and, and really kind of understanding what it is that an entrepreneur really wants to do and be impactful on. So I've got like, you know, two questions. One is really just like you asking, sharing with us a little bit more about BizMode, your podcast. And then really, you know, you get to work with a lot of businesses now and a lot of entrepreneurs and sole proprietors. Has there ever been a case where you've helped them set up their legal kind of like documentation and you're just like, wow, what you guys are doing is so cool. I want to become an investor. And so, what is it about some of those kind of like firms or entrepreneurs that really kind of get you excited? And maybe that just, you know, is something to, that, that, and the way that they tell their story, perhaps, which is really important for any entrepreneur getting off the ground.
0: So, yeah. So, and, and, and of course, come back to me with a follow up in case I don't capture everything. But, you know, the idea of Biz Mode was one, I'm, I lean introverted, believe it or not. So, so, By leaning introverted, I'm not really like to be out there all the time. So the way I wanted to format my podcast, but I wanted to kind of highlight entrepreneurship. I wanted to kind of really kind of focus on the founders. And so I figured out we could use Biz Mode uh, to do that. Because the idea of just doing like a legal podcast or just doing like an audio or video version of a blog did not appeal to me. And I just felt like there's so much out there already. Clients are more and more informed every day. You don't need to repeat what they already know, so it did not make sense to me to to do that for them because I I spoke with a client yesterday when I was like, you know, there's this cool website that has this info already. You can just go check that out, and it's 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 not gonna you know it's not gonna hurt us because it's out there and they need to know about it. So the idea of Biz Mode was kind of that it was kind of get focused on your mindset, get focused on others' journeys too because they're all we're all going through certain journeys and I'm a big believer in not reinventing the wheel and making sure that you know you can learn from others the good and the bad so what went great for somebody and what went not so great so you don't hear it from us the attorney or me the attorney saying you know that might not be a good idea we'd be like you know what check out you know this person who's starting up a food hall on the east side of Los Angeles and see what they're doing and see what what kind of obstacles they came up with cuz you're doing you're trying to do something similar and you know, they've been there. There is there is a lot of exciting, like a lot of exciting clients. Some of them I can't yet disclose yet, which kind of sucks because they haven't done their raise yet. So they haven't done certain raises. But there's the cool thing about working with entrepreneurs and working with, you know, founders who are in these startups is they're like super creative, right? So they're that creative mindset. And and I've recently evolved into the idea of not the idea, the belief that we all are creators problem is sometimes we forget our creative side because we get caught in in school and like traditional modes but we all are creators so i'm I'm a big believer in that and it's great to work with entrepreneurs who are super creative because they fuel me so that's what i really like about it because they they fuel me and the things they're doing there is really cool and i always uh, point out to us either it doesn't have to be like a super tech company or something like that could even be like the small business owner who's going to come up with their first store It's you're doing what I call God work. You're making something out of nothing. You have an idea and you're going to put it into reality. Just like what you two are doing with Small Business Front. You have an idea and now you're actually, it's putting into reality and it keeps growing and growing. And that's the coolest part of it.
1: What happens when you encounter a, a business where you know it's destined for failure?
0: That's a great question. And that's the biggest challenge. And I don't know if everything's destined for failure, but there are certain points where there's going to there's heavy up obstacles because mm. I think every business can succeed potentially, but they got to know their obstacles and if, whether or not they can they can overcome them. So sometimes businesses fail because you know their sales cycle is going to be a lot longer. If you're if your main client is city governments and you're coming up with a I don't know a new we'll just use these were hot for a little bit e-bikes for everybody right. You don't want to be the, gosh, what was the bike? Line bike? I think there was a line bike. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be the line bike where you're just doing it directly. You actually want to create, I don't know, a white label for, I might be coming up with an idea. If anyone wants to take it, go right ahead. (laughs) White label for cities, right? So you're going to say, we're going to sell directly to the city. And I'm in Glendale, so we're going to sell to the city of Glendale. Well, you know, it's not like you're selling to Bruno Group Bank or Small Business Front where we can probably cut you a check if we're interested in a matter of days, The city government's going to be like, we can cut you a check. Yeah, but we got to go through all these protocols. It's going to be not days, but months, maybe. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't know your sales cycle, that could be the objection. That could be like a big thing. But having those conversations with founders, it's it's tough. So it's kind of like you got to get the rapport in. I have to feel comfortable saying it because when that happens, it's a tough conversation. It's kind of saying it's not working with somebody and people get automatically defensive. And then you're the person that they want to lash out at because you're the one delivering the bad news. The The way I've been kind of, I've, I brought it up is I bring up the objections. I bring up, have you thought about this? And then see how they're going for it and really try to help them get through those objections. But like that example that I, I know is a very drawn out example about the, the city government aspect, but that example would be one that I would kind of give is like who are your customers. Do you know if that if your customers are these or you know we, I'm singling out the city governments, but some huge corporations have the same kind of lag on sales cycles as well. So if you want to sell to Oracle, Oracle's going to take might take long. They got, might not be able to cut you a check. They're not so nimble in approving a sale. So so you got to know who your customers are. And that's when things kind of break. You know, fundings is also also an issue. And then buy-in from teams is the whole team bought in. And then the whole team's not bought in. It's not going to work.
2: I feel like you've done a pretty good job of laying down some really important key questions and steps that you should take when you're setting um, uh, out on your own, Alex. And, you know, Jesse and I are, are have a new startup, and you've been guiding us through these first few stages of doing so with the paperwork and all of that that it takes. So do you want to just expand maybe for us on a two or three things that new business owners um, don't even know that they need to know? To get started, now that would I think that would be really helpful, and even just like one of those early missteps. Maybe you talk to a new client, and you're like, "Oh, I wish you hadn't done that," right? Because like now we have to go back and do X, Y, Z. So I mean, like maybe that's just really helpful because then it really helps those the our, our budding entrepreneurs kind of think about what they need to get done before they come to you you know, that would be really helpful, I think. And really helpful for me and Jesse.
0: <laughs> right. What I think the good thing that you you both have been doing it is kind of like looking into your, your network and looking into your, your advisors and getting your advisory cabinet together to kind of figure those things out. So one of the big questions that come up, and this was a question that came up with us internally, and by us internally, I'm talking about SBS, small business front, is what type of entity should we be, right? So what people do typically is... They don't really vet this out. They'll Google it or they'll see, like, there's an old YouTube of presentation I've done for UCL for UCLA extension, like like about four years ago. You know, they'll look at that and then they'll make a decision. But what's good for another company is not good for you or for other founders. So that's the first thing, is like and essentially, at some point, if this is going to be a viable business, you should be a legal entity. Provide so many different things. And I won't get into many details on it, but it's the legal protection is the first thing, right? So you're building up stuff personally by having a legal entity such as an LLC or a corporation. You are shielding your other parts of your life and potentially other businesses from legal liability related to the business. So figuring that out first for you. And it's not just a legal question, by the way, Sid. So legal questions, one side of it, it's also a tax question. And kind of that's kind of one some of the discussions that we had was like, is there tax issues for it? So that's the big one. The next thing is when you're dealing with founders, when you're dealing with partners, is kind of you know making sure we capture and memorialize the expectations memorialize all of that on paper. That's the biggest thing that I see that comes up, and it's the biggest source of conflict that can come up in the future. And it's it's a big unknown. And so that's like having an agreement in place that's going to capture that. For some, we call that a shareholders agreement. For some entities, like an LLC, it could be a very detailed operating agreement. Or we can call it, if we want to go back and more common stuff, we call it a partnership agreement. But something that's going to put it on paper, and everyone's going to commit to it. We get so caught up as founders in we want to build it we want to build it we want to let the world know that we're going to build it so that's the big you know part of it it's make sure you have that framework in in place and then you know there's there's just other stuff like making sure you're properly registered is is another one in registration is i mean there's so many agencies that you got to make sure you're registered for and you know whether it's it's for tax purposes yeah, and there's different different types of tax purposes so if you're if you're selling a product on retail you know you got to collect a sales tax so that's very important if you know if you're if you're manufacturing you have a lot of equipment well you got to pay a tax to the county on that property because that's physical property you got to pay a tax to so there's other diff- different stuff that you got to look out for and the other big thing that I would say right now is insurance. You gotta get insurance. You gotta start looking at insurance earlier than than you think is necessary. And the interesting thing about it is insurance. There's not one thing captures all. There's not one policy that captures all. So you gotta really kind of get specialized with that as well.
1: And what really resonates with me, Alex, of, of the things you shared is on that. The agreement between partners and um, one thing I I really appreciate about working with you is that you often give Sid and I homework. You know, you say, you need to spend time talking about this particular thing before I start constructing the legal apparatus by which you're going to operate, right? And I would say, you know, Sid and I, you know, and and Sid, you can correct me if I'm wrong, because I know you will. We are very blunt and honest with each other, you know, almost too much, you know, almost too much being revealed. But we have very, you know, long conversations about how will it all work? You know, what is the expectation here? How will we share duties? How will we assume certain roles, right? But mm-hmm. we do that before we ask you to start building out the paperwork, right? And I think for a lot of people, they go in uh, assuming they understand how it should all come together and just say, just make it happen, right? And I think that's always a huge mistake. And coming from personal experience, the the work that is involved in just Having that own honest conversation, that deep conversation about setting expectations will just save you a whole lot of grief down the line. I have a a different type of question for you, which is much more about your podcast and about, you know, you spend a lot of time. And I've listened to your podcast. I love it, man. I especially love that you use hip hop as part (laughs) of the core elements of that. You know, It always makes me smile whenever I hear the intro because I I recognize all that music, which I love. Old school hip hop is the way to go. But you spent a lot of time talking about mindset and approach and why people are doing what they're doing as entrepreneurs. And you have one uh, podcast in particular called Inspiration for the Dreamers, where you, you define entrepreneurship as the pursuit of a dream. And I know uh, many people have very many different uh, definitions for entrepreneurship, but uh, we want to know, okay, what is your philosophy? You know, uh, why do you define entrepreneurship like that? What is is the mission behind what you mean in that definition? We want to explore that with you.
0: Right. So it's kind of like, I, I alluded to this a little bit earlier, is like you have an idea, you have a dream. And for that person, whoever has that dream, it's super precious to them. Right. So it's super precious to them because not only is it going to provide for them, it's also going to fulfill something internal for them, but it's also something that can grow and evolve and not only provide satisfaction to the people who are going to kind of like leverage that dream for their own purposes, but also if they build out a team, it's going to help their team, the, te- the families of the team and the families and generations. So for me, it's kind of like, you know, you got this idea, it's precious. It's, it's something, you know, something really precious to you. And that's on, that's entrepreneurship. Like again, like I said, it's God work. You're creating something out of nothing, and that's what the dream is. The dream is you had a quiet moment, or maybe that's what Sid was in. You know, in in bed today with his, you know, with his, his pastries. We were talking offline about the, the the cool croissant he had, and he thought of like, well, what about this? And that little spark that you have, that quiet moment that you have, and it comes out as to whatever it is. That's the key. That's entrepreneurship and just the building it. You know, building it is the fun part.
2: Yeah. Well,
1: well, that spark, I mean, it's, it's funny because with Small Business Front, that was literally it. It was this, this moment. And I'll, I'll never forget, you know, texting Sid and saying, I have an idea. Here's what I think. And him responding, I have the same idea. We need to do it right. But it is this kind of magical moment. And, and it's it's hard to describe. It is like this flame of inspiration, right? Like right. I, it kind of sometimes it just comes out of nowhere, right? And I think the those where I think people where they they get sidetracked is when they decide not to pursue it. And we're what always really interested in is what is the thing that persuades you to pursue it versus not pursue it, right? You know, and it's really unfortunate because I think many people don't follow that dream. I'm fortunate that I have someone like Sid, a good friend who shares in the same energy and who, you know, who helps me then think about structure. Like how do we move it forward into an actual tangible activity? I don't know if that resonates with you, Matt, but you know, that it's it's so good to have a like-minded person with you in that journey. You know,
2: it, it, It's a hundred percent. And I, I, I resonates with me, but I also think what's what works for us is that we had both had the same vision for small business front, but we both brought, And bring different skill sets and perspectives. So we complement each other as opposed to just kind of overlap one another. The ability to have like a different looking at the same problem from a different angle and then addressing it and having like different perspectives that are built on our previous careers that led us to this moment. And you know, I, I I wanted to ask you about partners, Alex. Like, is that, is, does that resonate with you? Frankly, I mean, like Jesse just set me up to answer that question, but I feel like. Having when multiple people come to you right and do you find that they are oftentimes aligned or do you find that they're like, well wait a minute, that's not what I thought was going to be our plan when and then you're sitting like in that meeting with mm-hmm. them as that they have those discovery moments
0: so that's important to have early on right that it's a great question because I always uh, a kin partnership and you've probably heard this from me before potentially is it, it is a relationship it's a relationship it's a friendship. It could, you know, we always equate when we think relationship, we think romantic relationship, but it's, there's a lot of similar elements, right? So the similar elements is there has to be an alignment and vision. Do you have to be exactly alike? No, actually, it's better that you're not, but you should be, you should have an alignment and vision. And that's kind of what my, I would say my differentiator is, right? The the law is the law and the law is going to be the law. Part of what my goal here is to help counsel you to make sure that you're doing the right thing. And how do we set that up? because we've had various different things. And yeah, it can get awkward. I've been in some awkward conversations where, you know, some of the founders or some of the partners thought this was just a fun hobby. And then one of the, a couple of the founders said, no, we actually want to make this a business. It got really awkward. That's why it's important to have these questions and these kind of discussions early on as to what you want it to be. Because, like we've, we just talked about was an idea. We have an idea and this idea, we're bringing this idea to life, but we also got to talk about what this idea could look like, right? So we're going to grow something. How do we want it to look in two years? How do we want it to look in five years? Because I've also been in those conversations where it's kind of like a partner will be like, I'm with you, but I want to exit in five years. And another partner will be like, well, that's great. I can work with that but I'm not looking to exit. So we're just, let's try to coordinate. So the kind of stuff that we're talking about, the questions that we're talking about is like, well, how do we create that paperwork in place so we can have those outs to come out? But yeah, it's it's a very interesting question that comes up. And it's a very interesting question that I recommend all founders start to explore early on. And don't just do stuff for formula is my big counsel on it too. So the thing is, formulaic, you'll hear stuff about how the success rates are better if you have at least one other founder than the other. You'll hear formulas like, well, we do need all these roles. You got to do what's best for you personally. and But you also got to be in sync with people. So there's a lot of, you mentioned the serendipitous moment that you had, right? So there was a the whole thing of like, hey, you know, there was this idea that Jesse had and said, you know what? That's exactly what I'm thinking. So you already, you identified the vision, right? You identified the idea, you identified the vision. So you have an alignment there. But then it's also like, how do we expand on it? So these are great questions to have. And this is a great questions that I always recommend these topics be explored with founders at the outset. So this is part of our discovery process before we get engaged with the client. Sometimes it's kind of like, where are you at? What do your founders look like? Let's have this discussion because there have been times where the company keeps going. But the people that that I first saw in the first meeting, there's a couple that are not there anymore.
1: Alex you know, to that point what what exactly makes a client great like you know that makes you excited to work with them especially for folks who maybe haven't you know ever utilized an attorney before how can you become a great client to an attorney
0: well I mean every attorney is different right so it's just that we're human beings right so we're all different we all communicate differently for me I, but I can talk about for me what 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 makes me excited when I get an email or I get a call from a client is kind of when it's personality right so it's you know there's a human side to it, so we understand that we're all human, especially what we, we just went through and what we're still, some of, we're still kind of coming out with COVID. And this happened, you know, to me personally also, like you know, a couple of years ago when my, when my wife got sick. Thankfully, she's 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 healthy now. But when she got sick, we had I had moments where I had to pause the practice and say I can't take on clients or my deliverables are going to be way elongated. And so, having the attorney-client relationship is just like. I would say it's similar to, like, that type of, like, another friendship, right? So you don't want to be the friend that's, like, shows up unannounced and then takes food out of the fridge, you know? Like, something like that. Or, you know, it's 12.15 in the morning and you send a text about, hey, you know... uh, I was thinking, we should, you know, register for a business license in this city. What do you think? it's like, okay, that could have waited via email. So Jesse, take notes on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am. That could have waited on a Monday morning email. You didn't have to do that Saturday night when I'm watching the Zack Snyder uh, Justice League. Random. Okay. But I, I think it's it's a similar process, right? It's similar, like, that founders are having the communication about expectations but founders for people who are trying to figure out an attorney should communicate their expectations to the attorney and see if they're going to fit together because there are attorneys who who will take that 1215 text talking about a business license i probably will see it and then we'll say okay this is okay no one's dying there's no fires there's no nothing like that we're good okay that's what I'll look for, and then I'll be like, okay, I can talk to it on, I can talk about it on Monday. But it's kind of the same thing. You set up your expectations with your with with your attorney as to what you like, and you know, let us know because it's that's the hardest thing. in, I think any type of relationships is we can build up expectations, and then we don't express them, and so then we, we then when we're disappointed is because we think the expectations were broken, but we never told the person that we had those expectations. So it's kind of just letting us know. And if we can't fulfill it, like if I can't fulfill it, I'll tell you. So I'll, I'll tell a client like, yeah, we don't do that. I had a, a recently I had a, someone call in and we, we had a whole conversation. They were going to buy a, a company and they wanted to bring me on. But then like the second question they had was access to my cell phone. And I was like, OK, that's kind of awkward. Like I don't even know you yet. And so when things get thick, by the way, we do, you know, there is an access to me. So that's a whole different story. So like if when I think things get thick is like when we have a closing we make I make sure that I'm accessible because that's a key thing. We don't want to get anything dropped. But like if that's your second question. It's like okay, I don't. You know, it, there's a whole difference. It's just the whole different vibe, yeah. I guess. Setting yeah. the
1: wrong expectation upfront, really. You know, that you, yeah. I demand you be accessible at all times. Yeah,
2: right. I mean, now um, having just watched Justice League, Zack Snyder's cut. I honestly think that nothing should get in the way of watching that of, of that movie. So uh, I, I applaud you for both using that as your example.
0: <laughs> it, it was four hours, so I think I could have taken a break and answered that text. By the way,
2: <laughs> if if there was a fire or another emergency, for sure. <laughs> well, I know, but it, it does sound like you know, really setting expectations, really ensuring there are set boundaries, and understanding how to communicate are to me what I'm hearing are really. Three key thing takeaways for being a really good client when you're engaging with your attorney, but but it seems to me like that's just three great takeaways for setting yourself off for a good start on your business. Oh, for sure,
0: and I yeah, it's you know it, it applies everywhere and. The key thing is these boundaries and these expectations can shift depending on the urgency, right? So if it's, hey, we'll use a a startup mode. Hey, we're going to close this round and we're supposed to close it in the next three days. Well, yeah, then it's all hands on deck. But if it's like, hey, we need to, you know, we need to build out a new business model and we don't know when our launch date is. Okay, well, the urgency is a little bit different there and we can actually kind of space things out.
1: Alex, what makes you feel the most fulfilled when you're working with the client? And is that sense of fulfillment and how you derive it, is that what you expected when you started your firm?
0: Hmm. I really have to reflect on, like, w- was that the sense of, of fulfillment? And I, I think it is. Because my whole idea was kind of provide a resource and provide la- that that strong legal counsel for companies that might have a barrier to like to, to legal. Now, of course, there are a bunch of things that can be done Through automation and stuff like that. So that's changed. But the fulfilling part for me is when the client comes to me with that idea, and then you actually see it live, you see it live, it's launched, whatever it may be. If we go back to brick and mortar, the stores opened, the restaurants opened, the businesses opened, the ribbon cutting happened. Or you know, the if it's a tech thing, the product's been launched, and it's been done. And then you see it. So I've been fortunate to see clients grow. I've been fortunate to see them from zero revenue to, you know, they're in the, you know, 7 8 digit, you know, range now. So like it's like amazing. And of course, you know, obviously, you know, just revenue is not the most important driving factor, but to see them like they had something where there was basically an idea again, we're going back to this theme of idea, but it was, you know, they didn't have any sales. Then we 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 check in with them, "Oh yeah, we have this company uh, and we have that company and and last year we did this and it was like, wow. I just remember when you were just working at home, you know, after hours doing you know, cause you still had the day job, and now you have this whole thing that's not only supporting you and your partners, but you have a team of X amount of people. You're 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 you got a whole payroll you're taking care of. You got a whole health plan that you just instituted. It's cool. That's the cool that's what gets me like you can see me, I'm getting excited already. That's what gets me excited. That's what kind of draws me back to like when a newer client comes in and says, hey, we want to do this because I can see that in five years. I do five years is a little bit longer, but I can see it in the future.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like you're part of that design process and then to see it actually, you know, exist in real life and to you know, flourish, to grow from there. I mean, like I can only imagine how rewarding that is. God's work, it really That's is. It. It's yeah, God I work. mean, small business front, God's work, man. I'm curious if there's been any surprises to the work, you know, good or bad, anything that, you know, it really kinda of struck you as part of the work.
0: Well, the the not so fun parts always when, you know, things break down, like we talked about, and then you know, the breakups happen with certain cool businesses that you thought were gonna work and then it didn't work. So that's never fun. The business is evolving and I'm okay for it. So I mean there's a lot of talk in in the legal side of having other people, non lawyers, start to do stuff more under a better authority, so to speak, with our, at least in California. And of course, we know about automation, right? We know about a lot of stuff that can get automated and that's going to continue to happen. But, you know, most lawyers are bemoaning it. I'm like, that's, you know, you're getting more quality stuff out there. That's good. So long as it's quality stuff, like if it's some fly by night person, I'm I'm not happy about that because then it's, I think like this was Sid's question early on is then we got to fix it, right? So I don't like fixing things. I like being proactive. I like if you equate it to healthcare, I like being preventative medicine rather than kind of like surgery or some kind of like treatment that we have to do after. But yeah, the hardest part is, for me has always been the breakups because, yeah, you know, you get to know people. It's, it's if you have like a a family that you're familiar with and then they're going through some kind of legal issue, a separation or potentially a divorce, it's this, it's a similar kind of feeling that you get. It's like, oh my gosh, like, how do we work it through? I've been unfortunately in the middle because that's what ends up happening because I represent the company. So I'm in the middle. So I'm like in the middle, but I get to see, I've but I've seen some people act really mature and I've seen some people act not so fun. That's not the fun part. But thankfully, most people are, It's it's been great. So it's been a very great and very rewarding.
2: You know, Alex, we are running out of time, unfortunately. And we just have to ask, though, this is Hack My Business. So can you share your best hack?
0: Nice. The best hack that I'm getting into is it's automation, right? So and it's document stuff. So one of the hack that I'm going through right now is we're still Microsoft Word intensive, but it's kind of like actually creating materials that's... And there's a cool company called DocuMate. No no connection, by the way, no no investment. So, But it's a cool company. And they're really targeting lawyers and like, I think, CPA firms, right? So accounting firms. But it's kind of like where you can actually create modules and create questionnaires, live questionnaires, like on a website or something else. And then that could populate documentation for you. And that's going to be the big hack. So if people like, like an, are in the service industry like myself, that's going to help you kind of get more efficient with some of the routine documentation.
1: Alex, I just want to share a big thanks because you have been there with us, one, along the journey of Small Business Front. But also when we launched our 12 Days to Takeout campaign during the pandemic, literally responding to that uh, crazy idea early one, one, uh, I forgot what it was a weekday or a Saturday when we were concerned about copyright. And then also when I had friends that, you know, were running into issues in regards to, uh, venue as it relates to COVID and dealing with some really kind of nasty stuff. And you provided some pro bono support. So you've been there, man, I know supporting small businesses throughout the pandemic, one uh, through the podcast and just do direct pro bono support. So I just want to say thank you, but how can people stay in touch? You know, how can they, where can they find you and, and follow along with the podcast?
0: Oh wonderful. Well, thanks for the plug and I, you know that's the goal. So that's I mean the idea the mission again is to help support people with their dreams and sometimes it's you know how can we help support them especially when those those crazy times and those I'm a big believer in if we can answer the question and do away with the going back to the healthcare doing back do away with the surgery that's even better. So to get a hold of me the law firm is Bruno Group Inc so that's that's essentially our website, Bruno Group, and the the podcast is called Bizmo, B I Z M O D E, and we're on all platforms. So just do a search for that. If you want to get in touch with me, my handle is my name, Alex Bruno, and add a little esq behind it. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram, Alex Bruno esq, and of course, same thing for LinkedIn.
1: Awesome, man! It's so good to see you. I know we're going to see you again soon because we have legal issues to work out still. But just thank you, thank you for all the support. Well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks, Alex. If you need help and want to be a part of our community and find resources to grow your business, join us at our website at smallbusinessfront.com. We'd love to see you there. Have a great day and we'll catch you next time on Hack My Business.